0: Warning, the following contains spoilers pertaining to the show and subject matter discussed. Also, strong language and adult content may be included. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you. I love that we live so close to the river.
1: It's fantastic, isn't it?
0: An awful lot of helicopter traffic today.
1: Mm, probably because the weather is warming up, tourist season is picking up, and so are the sky tours of the city.
0: I think it would be kind of cool to take a helicopter tour of the city. Like, really get a bird's eye view of it. I love flying over it when we come in and out of JFK.
1: Mm. Mm, I'm good. You couldn't pay me to ride in a helicopter. Going to the tops of buildings is fine. But leaving the ground below in anything besides an airplane? Not a chance. It's
0: fair. You know, you can still see New York from above. I mean, they have that ride at the Empire State Building that's like a motion simulator. Uh, it takes, takes you on a flying tour of the city. Actually, although now that I think of it, I think since they did that amazing remodel of the ground floors of the ESB, I could they got rid of the sky.
1: They do have that at Rise and Lie in Times Square. Yes!
0: My mom did that and she said she loved it. So, there's a chance for you to soar above New York.
1: Think of it as riding on your
0: very own personal magic
2: carpet.
1: Mm-hmm. I think I'll keep my toes here in the sand. Thank you very much. and welcome to Stage Whisper. I'm your host, Hope Bird, and with me is my co-host, Andrew Cortez.
0: Today, we are going to be discussing the iconic show, Aladdin.
1: So hurry and take your seats. It looks like the show is starting.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome into today's performance of Stage Whisper. Life is your restaurant, and we're your maitre d'. Come on, whisper what it is you want. You ain't never had a friend like me. And what do friends do best? They take each other on journeys. And on today's episode, we are going to take you on the magical journey that is Aladdin the Musical.
1: This hit show, courtesy of Disney, brought to life the classic cartoon that millions have fallen in love with, and dazzled audiences with Disney magic that continues to awe and amaze fans.
0: But before we can go searching for the diamond in the rough, we must first get our bearings by laying the groundwork.
1: Aladdin is a Broadway musical based on the 1992 Disney animated film of the same name, with a book by Chad Begwin, music by Alan Menken, and lyrics by Howard Ashman, Tim Rice, and ba- Beguinlin. It resurrects three songs written by Mencken and Ashman for the film, but not used, and adds four songs written by Mencken and Benquilin.
0: In November 2010, Alan Mencken confirmed that a musical theater adaptation of the movie was in the works, with a book written by Chad Benquilin. The musical premiered in Seattle, Washington, at the Fifth Avenue Theatre from July 7th through 31st of 2011.
1: Jonathan Freeman, who voiced Jafar in the film, reprised the role on stage. Adam Jacobs and Courtney Reed played Aladdin and Jasmine. Additional cast included James Monroe Iglehart as Jeannie, Sean G. Griffin as the Sultan, Don Darrow Rivera as Iago, and Andrew Keenan Bulger, Brian Gonzalez, and Brandon O'Neill as Omar, Kasim, and Babkek. A trio of characters conceived for the film, but ultimately replaced by Abu.
0: The production was directed and choreographed by Casey Nicolau, and the set designer was Anna Luisius, with costumes designed by Greg Barnes.
1: In 2012, productions of the musical played at the Tuacon Amphitheater. In Ivan's Utah, from June to October twenty twelve, and the Muni in St. Louis from July, in July twenty twelve. In twenty twelve, Aladdin was staged in Manila at the Meralco Theater. The musical was then staged in Spanish at the Bogota, Colombia, in twenty thirteen.
0: Aladdin had its pre-Broadway tryout at the Ed Mervish Theater in Toronto, Ontario from November 2013 to January 2014. Nicola Barnes and Steinmeyer returned as director, choreographer, and costume designer, with Bob Crowley replacing Luisos as scenic designer. The special effects were created by Jim Steinmeyer.
1: This is the perfect time to introduce our full design team. Book and additional lyrics by Chad Bigwellin. Music, Alan Minkin. Lyrics, Howard Ashman and Tim Rice. Directed and choreographed by Casey Nicola Scenic design, Bob Crowley. Costume design, Greg Barnes.
0: Lighting design, Natasha Katz. Sound design, Ken Travis. Hair design, Josh Marquette. Makeup design, Milagros Medina Cerdera Illusions design, Jim Steinmeier. And special effects design, Jeremy Shernick.
1: The show would arrive at the crown jewel of Broadway, the New Amsterdam Theatre on March 20th, 2014, where it still plays today. As of October 30th, 2022, it has played 2,930 shows. It is currently the 20th longest running show in Broadway history. The show shuttered on March 12, 2020 due to the COVID-19 pandemic but reopened on September 28th, 2021. It was one of the first shows to help usher in the return of Broadway.
0: The show would be nominated for five Tony Awards that season and would be granted with one for Best Featured Actor in a Musical for James Monroe Iglehart, who played the genie.
1: The show would also see numerous other productions mounting around the world, including Mexico, the Netherlands, Germany, Japan... Australia, two U.S. tours, and a very successful West End production that was recorded.
0: Although the film was Disney's first to feature non-white human protagonists, Disney did not consider ethnicity in the casting process for the musical. This, quote, colorblind policy sparked some controversy with the American Arab Anti-Discrimination Committee, receiving numerous complaints from actors of Middle Eastern descent. The executive director of a U.S. minority rights organization lamented that the production had, quote, missed an opportunity to showcase Arab American actors who remain underrepresented on Broadway.
1: So now let's head into the Cave of Wonders and explore our story. And a man welcomes the audience to the Middle Eastern city of Agrabah. He notes that Agrabah is a diverse place full of revered nobles, misfits, and even a few villains.
0: Aladdin is a young man who spends his days stealing food from the street vendors of Agrabah, along with his three best friends Kasim, Omar, and Babkak, After being referred to as a worthless street rat, Aladdin expresses his dreams of showing the world he's more than just a common urchin. He notes his guilt in thievery, having vowed to never steal again after the death of his mother.
1: Meanwhile, in the palace of Agrabah, Princess Jasmine is scolded by her father, the sultan, for refusing yet another suitor. The sultan demands that Jasmine must marry a noble prince before her birthday, which is only three days away. Jasmine laments... The situation to her handmaidens.
0: The news also disturbs the sultan's grand vizier, Jafar, who wishes to usurp the throne himself. He and his assistant, Iago, search for a way to enter the Cave of Wonders, a mysterious cavern in the desert said to hold untold power. The voice of the cave reveals that only one who is worthy a diamond in the rough may enter. When Jafar asks the identity of this diamond in the rough, it is revealed to be Aladdin. Jafar and Iago set out to find him.
1: While entertaining the locals, Aladdin meets Jasmine, who has disguised herself as a commoner to get a sense of life outside the palace. Aladdin has no idea who she is, but he is immediately smitten. After a brief scuffle with the guards, he takes Jasmine to his hideout, where they each reveal their unhappiness in their own lives.
0: They are discovered by the guards, and Jasmine is escorted back to the palace. Aladdin is ordered to be killed, but he is saved by Jafar and Iago, who lead Aladdin to the Cave of Wonders. Grateful for saving his life, Aladdin honors Jafar's request to enter the cave.
1: Once inside, Aladdin is instructed to bring the magic lamp to Jafar and touch nothing else. Astonished by all the treasure buried within the cave, Aladdin attempts to take the Egyptian chain along with the lamp. The cave angrily seals itself, trapping Aladdin inside. Engulfed in darkness, Aladdin rubs the lamp, which to his surprise unleashes a magical genie. Revealed as the man from the beginning of the show, who offers to grant him three wishes.
0: Aladdin initially shrugs this off in disbelief, prompting the genie to display his powers with an impressive musical number. The genie then reveals that he has limitations to his powers. He can't grant wishes that include murder, romance, revival of the dead, or wishing for additional wishes. Amused and overjoyed at his good fortune, Aladdin tricks Genie into magically freeing them from the cave without actually using a wish. Thereafter, Genie states that Aladdin will not receive any more magic help unless he explicitly states, I wish.
1: After Aladdin asks Genie what he would wish for, Genie muses that he would wish for freedom, since he is a prisoner of his lamp. So Aladdin promises to use his last wish to free the Genie. Aladdin decides to use his first wish to become a prince in order to be legally able to court Jasmine.
0: Act two starts with a great parade storming through the streets of Agrava led by Genie, Babak, Omar, and Kasim. They announce the arrival of Prince Ali of Ababwa.
1: Once at the palace, Aladdin disguised as Prince Ali expresses to the sultan his desire to marry Jasmine. Jasmine overhears the conversation and perceives Ali to be just another shallow prince.
0: Jafar, who is suspicious of Ali, tells him the location of Jasmine's bedroom, not mentioning that it's against Agrabah law to for the princess to have a suitor in her quarters unsupervised. Aladdin courts Jasmine with a ride on his magic carpet provided to him by genie.
1: Once they return, Jasmine recognizes Aladdin as the young man whom she met in the marketplace. Aladdin lies and says that he is really a prince and he just sometimes likes to dress as a commoner to escape the pressures of palace living, much like Jasmine did that day. Seeing he isn't shallow and self-absorbed like the others, Jasmine kisses Aladdin goodnight.
0: After she leaves, Jafar has Aladdin arrested for entering the princess's room unsupervised. Upon hearing the news, Babkak, Omar, and Kasim storm the palace to rescue their friend. They are captured and thrown into the dungeon as well. But with a little help from Genie, Aladdin uses his second wish to free them.
1: The Sultan greets Aladdin in the hall and gives him his blessing to marry Jasmine, meaning that Aladdin himself will inherit the throne as the new Sultan one day.
0: Fearful of this great responsibility, he tells Genie he's going to save his third wish for a day he may need it, rather than use it to free Genie like he promised. Distraught, Genie returns to his lamp and refuses to speak to Aladdin. Aladdin laments.
1: Meanwhile, Jafar and Iago manage to steal the lamp that Aladdin has carelessly discarded.
0: As the Sultan announces to the public that Jasmine is to wed Prince Ali, Jafar appears and reveals Ali is to be merely a common street rat named Aladdin, whom the former then threatens to send to the end of the road if no one changes the latter's personality to meet his standards.
1: Genie then enters with Jasmine in chains saying that Jafar is now his master and that his first wish was to make Jasmine his prisoner. Jafar uses his second wish to crown himself sultan, which Genie reluctantly grants. Remembering what Genie told him earlier about the the limitations of his powers, Aladdin tricks Jafar into wishing for himself to become a genie so that his power will be unmatched. Genie grants Jafar's wish, and Jafar is sucked into a lamp of his own, bound to it for eternity.
0: Aladdin uses his third and final wish to set Genie free. He then admits to Jasmine that he loves her, but he cannot pretend to be someone he's not. Seeing the nobility in Aladdin, the Sultan decrees that henceforth the princess can marry whomever she pleases.
1: Babcock, Omar, and Kasim are made royal advisors while Iago is arrested. Aladdin and Jasmine are married, and Genie prepares for a long-awaited vacation. All ends well as Jasmine and Aladdin board the magic carpet and take flight.
0: The The end. End discuss the part of the show that we like and the part that we may not have liked or what have you and our dog eliza is around here saying that she has opinions of the show as well apparently
1: eliza has strong opinions about she this show.
0: does have opinions of the show but i do too um <laughs> ultimately i really did enjoy the show i i'm gonna be upfront about this all right here here come the booze here comes the hate mail here comes the unfollowings For me, I did think, let me back up for a minute. If you know me, you know that I am incredibly Disney ignorant. Um, The number of films I've seen, it'd be easier to tell you the number of films that I've seen versus what I haven't seen. Uh, And and my dear wife here can vouch for that. There's so much in the wide world of Disney that people are like, oh yes, I, I watched this show and I saw this movie and I was like, no, not me. I have seen the film Aladdin though. I've seen it many a time growing up. I do remember this. For me, with this musical, I felt like there was a little bit too much exposition. You know, I had a hard time with the fact that we spent so much time explaining things rather than actually just doing them. We did a lot more talking about stuff than actually doing them. And the moments where things were being done, it was too brief. And so, like, for instance, I had a really hard time with the fact that Jafar came to power... And lost all his power on the same song. That is like the apex of the show. And it all happened within five minutes of this two and a half hour show. Yeah. So to me, that was a really weak point of it where I was like, why do we have all of this happen? We had an entire first act, the entire first half of the second act, only to have this big musical number where he comes to power, does terrible things and loses power like that. It's almost like, well, then why isn't this just a one-act show?
2: Mm-hmm. He should have
0: had power for longer than that. <coughs> and that's my opinion. Um, and I also struggled with the three friends. Omar, Kasim, and Babcock. They seemed like very one-note kind of characters.
1: They felt like they were playing a stereotype yeah. of a friend rather than actual friends.
0: Right. They didn't exactly fit in to the most of the places where they appear in the show, it was very much that comedic Three Stooges almost effect. And I was like, I don't understand what you're doing here. I, I don't, as someone who grew up with the, the animated film, for me, I was like, who are you guys? And, and granted, this is an adult, I'm looking at this. So I was expecting Abu, who was never like that comedic sidekick in that way. Having Iago the way it was done... Like that made sense because Iago was the talking parrot, and that easily transferred just fine. Abu didn't say words, you know, and so we instead we got these three friends who totally played the like the 1920s shtick kind of thing, and the humor didn't like necessarily line up. It felt like they were being very 1920s, 30s, or 40s, like that trio of comedians where they all had like one specific thing, like I was always hungry, Uh, I have a funny accent. I am just dumber than a doornail, you know, but there are these trio, like the Bowery Boys, you know. There's an old show called the Bowery Boys, which is kind of like the Three Stooges.
1: Right, or even it could be said, it's like the Bing Crosby and uh, Bob, Bob Hope, Hope films where there's just this, like, we always play this type of character.
0: Right, and now I've seen the show a few times since, and I've I've, cont- I've started to warm up to them, but I think what just really kind of stuck in my crawl was like I said I grew up with the film and to me you market the musical similar to the film and I didn't get Abu I got these three guys I'm like who the heck are you mm-hmm. and okay where do you the funny <clears throat> person in this show is supposed to be Genie mm-hmm. so what are you three doing here you know
1: well and the parts that kind of got to me as well um, are the fact that yeah, like you said, Genie is supposed to be the the comedic relief in all things. Um, you know, that that is how it should have been. But I just, I felt like some of the things they tried to punch up too much and make it like it was in the film, but not, like, it was more like it was a, it was a homage to the film and not really a story point if that makes i'm not they, they
0: focused to me a little bit too much like the music was beautiful we're gonna get in all this but the story was the weak point for me the book yes. was the weak point for me in this show
1: it didn't transfer all the same feelings the story didn't and levels the, that the, you got from the film right
0: now i will say again the more i've seen the show the more i've gone
1: oh Okay, yeah, oh,
0: okay, oh, okay, you know.
1: Well, and it is important to remember that it is its own thing. You know, you're not, you can't do an exact replica from the movie to the stage. Right. You have to change it up a little bit, and that's not what we're critiquing here. And I'm not not
0: saying that this is a bad show by any means, because like I said, the more I see this show, the more I continue to warm up to it, and the most important thing that I have to keep reminding myself, and throughout writing this, this is a Disney production, I am not Disney's target audience. Yeah. I am not Disney's target audience. They're not going, you know, let's get that person that sees every Broadway show and off-Broadway show, and let's give them... No, what they're targeting? Families, kids, first-time theater goers, And for them, this show is a huge win. It's familiar, it's spectacle, it's performed brilliantly. Well,
1: and it's set up in a way that... Kids can watch it, especially kids who don't have the capability of, of adults with their attention span.
0: Right, but that's the thing. Is like it, It's it got enough stuff that holds their attention, but then it has enough that it'll help them understand and appreciate the art. But then we go back to something that's going to hold their attention, you know what I mean? But it's it's a very smart show, and it's a very well-done show. Me, I'm, I'm literally comparing apples and oranges and going, something doesn't fit, you know, Um and I'm being nitpicky about this is the thing. I do not want anyone to sit there and go, oh, well, this must be a terrible show. By no, no means at all. I mean, I if someone offered me a ticket to go see Aladdin tomorrow, I'd absolutely take it and be like, sure. I like Aladdin. We saw Aladdin after the pandemic, re- like everything was reopening. Um, you know, I have no problem with going to see Aladdin. But our job with this show is to sit there and talk about what we liked and what could be done better for me I thought there was too much of explaining stuff and these three these three characters that I hadn't met until the show I was confused as to like what they were doing their mm-hmm. their numbers in that were not impressive High Adventure for me is the is is the weakest musical number in the entire show
1: right you know I think right now would be a great moment
0: well, I I do just want to say I do just want to say before we dive into our boxes because I know you want to go into that I think one of the best selling points of this, and, and should be noted, is I've never seen special effects like what we saw in this show, in any Broadway show, up until that point. And I'd have to sit here and fit my coffee for a good long while to figure out, have I seen another Broadway show that has had that level of special effects? That is one thing... Spider-Man excluded. Spider-Man is its own thing. You know, this show continued, continues to amaze in that realm. Okay, okay, I, I've thought of it. The show that out special effect Aladdin was Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. And if you've seen that show, I mean, think about it. That's the level it took to out special effect a show you know so that's where aladdin's at i mean it was it was there were moments i was watching the show going okay wait a minute how did they do where did that come you know a lot of stuff we know and we've talked about this before we we know kind of the secrets behind it there was still a handful of stuff in aladdin that i went where did that come from how did they just (laughs) you know so um now i think you were saying
1: Let's dive into our individual boxes.
0: Which one shall we start with first?
1: I think we should start with the set, because it is, after all, the foundation on which we stand.
0: So you want to start with our little
2: boxes
0: of set. I'm telling you, I'm writing a theme song.
1: God, help us
2: all.
0: So, the set. I think we could agree that the set was really impressive.
1: Yeah, I mean, the set was exactly what you would expect from a Disney show. It gave you Agrabah realness. Um,
0: Wow, Agrabah realness. It was serving up Agrabah realness. Listen,
1: I mean, there's a level of glitz and glamour that you expect from Aladdin, from Disney. Um, And so I appreciated... The cleverness where it was kind of like it was kind of like the same thing they did with like Big Hero Six where they had San Francisco but it was Tokyoized. It's kind of that same thing where it's like New York City but it's been it's been you know desertified.
0: Your 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 analogy is lost on me because I haven't seen Big Hero. Okay, well 6.
1: Our, our, our listeners will get
0: it. I'm sure they will, but you're you're saying it to me. And you're looking at me and I'm just like,
1: yay.
0: But I agree with the fact that it's glitzy and glamour and it's serving up Agrabah realness. Um, the first thing you see when you come in is this impressive curtain. Um, and I know that doesn't sound like a big deal. But as we mentioned, it's the crown jewel of Broadway. It's the New Amsterdam, which is an enormous theater. And I mean enormous, very steep. Oh my gosh. And so the, the height of that curtain is insane. But it's this giant curtain. And... That is impressive on its own, because it's not the theater's curtain, you know. Um, and then when it does go away, you see this beautiful, versatile set that has all these hidden places for special reveals and scene changes and stuff. When they turn around and and a woman appears out of nowhere, you know. When um, they you know they turn those those set pieces around, some of those buildings and whatnot,
1: mm-hmm. or. I mean, I just think of the intricate um, patterning and lattice work for Jasmine's bedroom.
0: Yes.
1: Um, it's, and it's
0: not very full of a bedroom, but it looks, and it looks huge, but it looks, it looks like so it's, intricate.
1: It's intricate and grand.
0: The hall for the palace.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I also love the, the, that they used everything to the fullest ability. And the thing that I, I was taken back by was the height of everything. So, when we're in Agraba, we have those tall buildings, right—the the, the hu- houses mm-hmm. or whatever—that looks impressive and everything. But we are also looking at a second stage, you know, we, which we've seen before. We see, you know, levels and in, in, in sets where you've got platforms and whatnot. Well, they utilize the rooftops as well to do
2: stuff—literal
0: mm-hmm. jumping from rooftop to rooftop—which I thought was incredible, considering how tall these 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 set pieces work
1: well and the the fact that they can create a full stage that takes place over multiple different areas and then they have to be able to clear the whole thing to be able to give us the illusion that we're flying on the magic carpet going all around the world and up in the sky and in space and stuff yeah. like that you know what i mean like the fact that there are that <clears throat> many those many pieces that exist to give us different locations and they still have to be able to clear it for yeah. that magic carpet.
0: And the Cave of Wonders where the genie appears is incredible. That set. That set that's within the Cave of Wonders was gorgeous. Once again, there's all these hiding places for people. Mm-hmm. That you wouldn't think there's these piles of treasures and stuff that people can pop out of. And there's hidden you know, dancers in these like giant candle things you know, so that when he goes, Can you old friends do this, pow, and there's a big flash of firework and this curtain drops and there's a dancer right there. Well what's amazing is it doesn't look like a huge space. And it's and, 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 and full disclosure, it is not. It is not I mean it is well what, what would you say? It's it's like the size of literally a pillar. Yeah. I it's not, I would not be able to hide in it.
1: <clears throat> no, nor would I.
0: Yeah. I mean it's 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 tiny. So that's and, and speaking of spectacle, we have to talk about the pyrotechnics and the magic that happens in the Cave of Wonders, the ability to make the food appear and disappear on the platters.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, okay. Now, for one thing, I know that like when they open and close and there's like the jello thing and they're opening. Like I understand that, but there were moments that they were like in front of the audience, and then the food was gone. And I was like, "How did you do that? Where did that food go? That was on your platter. Mm-hmm. That was impressive. Um, to make people appear and disappear." That's the other thing is you know yes these women were appearing in the pillars but then there were people actually disappearing, which is incredible. It gave this very flashy Vegas feel, and then when they finish it off with the real fireworks, it was something that I hadn't seen on stage until I I've never seen. The only show I have seen real fireworks in, again outside of Harry Potter, was Radio City Christmas Spectacular.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I've never seen real fireworks used. In in another show. Oh, and, and and Moulin Rouge now. Yeah. You know, because they've got the... But,
2: uh-huh. you know,
0: these are, like, up above. Boom, 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 booms. You know, not coming out of the floor kind of thing. Or, like, Phantom of the Opera, the fire that comes out the floor. No, 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 no. These are actual, like, booms up top. And then they also have the sparklers coming from the side. I mean, it was, like... You know that there is a stage manager or an ASM on both sides holding a fire extinguisher... Sweating bullets, high blood pressure in that moment, (laughs) you know, because all they see is fire,
2: Mm -hmm. you know,
0: Um, it was surreal. It was incredible. And the fact that someone came up with that idea and then was able to, because keep in mind, like we've always mentioned, the theater is a handmade place. What you do in the theater, Hope, it's handmade, Mm -hmm. which is why it's so impressive. This set is handmade. This is not CGI technology. This is all handmade, built, painted, all of that. And it blows your mind when you see that set and you're like, wow.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know? And I feel like, speaking of things you hadn't seen on stage before, we have to, we have to speak about this. I know we both have been like sitting on this waiting to mm. It's the magic carpet! Oh my gosh. Okay. So. we know We know what you're thinking. Because we thought this too. When they did the magic carpet scene, we thought, "Oh, typical magic carpet! It's on the fly system. They're gonna like pull it up and down. It's gonna fly, mm-hmm. ooh, right." And so we thought it was like your typical flying magic carpet on strings. And then it started spinning.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I was like, "Well, I mean, they could—they've got that technology where they can spin on but wire But then
1: when it started moving upstage and, and down downstage stage and
0: out over the audience a little. Then we realized, like, there is no strings attached to this thing. Mm -hmm. And I know, like, 2022, in the age of, like, hovercrafts and all that, like, that doesn't surprise anyone. This was 2014, I believe. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Like, we were so much more naive. (laughs) And so we were like, what is this witchcraft, you know? As someone who's not usually like super impressed or like blown away or like you know the technology just oh my gosh i literally when that moment happened i was like i just want to come back to see this magic carpet again like this is incredible it was so magical
2: mm-hmm. it
0: was so magical
2: um
0: that's that's well, theater that's worth it alone
1: to go see the show to watch the magic carpet
0: and just feel everyone's wonder come alive
1: mm-hmm. from
0: from age six to
1: age 60 or what. You know what I mean? Like
0: you can't believe that you're witnessing this live, that, that your imagination like this is where we're at. We were watching two people on a magic carpet flying around on stage, literally just flying it. It brings out the kid in you. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to go into costumes because I know you want to talk about these costumes.
1: They are beautiful. Take it away, Hope. Well, so they have, I mean, not only do we have, like, a glitzy, glamorous, you know, show happening, but just the amount of intricate beading and the silhouettes that are created. Not only do we have this nice modern feel, but we also have these, like, classic Arabic, like, silhouettes that are happening Um, while still giving us this, like, blend of modern and fantasy within this realm because it's there to remind you Agrabah is not a real city. Agrabah is not a real place. These are... This is a fairy tale. This is a fictionalized story. And so we're going to play up these shapes and these styles and the beating, and they are just gorgeous.
0: Yeah, I I was going to say... the construction and build of these costumes were amazing um they may look simple from above or from afar but if you actually get up close it's so i mean the details are incredible um getting to work on the show a little bit and seeing how the construction is done i didn't realize the amount of beadwork that went into the show
1: oh yeah i didn't realize
0: particularly in the hats oh my god and the feathers Mm-hmm. The true feathers. I mean, it's incredible. Um, I really appreciate that they kept the iconic look of the show yes. within it. Like we didn't. <clears throat> it was there. There were elements that were a little cartoony, like in the guards.
1: Yes, it kept that same like guard look.
0: That that you know the inflated pants <laughs> kind of thing, you know. But everybody else, I was like, this doesn't necessarily scream Aladdin the cartoon, you know. Um, I like how they manifested a lot of the animated looks uh, in regards to Genie and Iago. I mean, Iago didn't look like a parrot per se, but you knew that it, that was Iago, if that makes sense. Just yeah, the general he, appearance of that. I was like, yeah, that's Iago.
1: Yeah, he still had those same... He had
0: the red, a lot of red in uh-huh.
1: it. uh he still had, like, a bird-like silhouette.
0: And then, like I said, the Genie's look. I mean, how do you... How do you take that iconic look from an animated film and bring it into the real world you know how do you can't copy and paste but what do you do and 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 with some of the the fun looks that the genie does you know and i thought that that greg barnes did a really great job in sticking with the film but also deriving from the film
1: yes well he was able to make it its own thing it, it, it was recognizable,
0: but like yeah, exactly. It was it became something new, yeah. And we were and we felt safe and comfortable enough to latch onto it and be like, oh yeah, that's the genie,
1: and that was now the genie, right? Well, and the fact that like we had this, they didn't paint him blue. That's what I appreciate about the character is they didn't paint the character blue. They just gave. Sorry for the genie. They gave him a blue costume that had the silhouette, had the feel, had the harem pants. Um,
0: I was going to say they... I mean, his face was painted blue, but...
1: No, his face wasn't painted blue. It's gold.
0: You are correct. I, I apologize. I was like, no, his face was painted blue. I was no. thinking about the live-action movie. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You were absolutely right. Uh, James Monroe Eichelhardt had the gold.
1: Yeah, because it... It made him into a... Made him human. It made it, Exactly. It made him human. That way you can identify with him a little bit more. And
0: the same thing happened with Iago.
1: hmm
0: Yes. Uh, that's a brilliant observation. Ten points to Hufflepuff. <laughs> Anything you'd like to say on behalf of Hufflepuff? We are Hufflepuff.
2: We are proud.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I also think it's worth noting the, the quick changes that happen in the show. You know, Aladdin to Prince Ali at the end of Act One... Jasmine and, and Aladdin to the wedding outfits. And, and then, of course, all the costume changes during Friend Like Me. Not only were these costumes like beautiful and, and constructed brilliantly, but they were versatile. Mm-hmm. You know, um, The dressers in this show deserve a huge shout-out. I mean, it's intense. Yeah. There, there are not many quick changes in this show, like big numbers. But when there are, it's not like, and quick change. It's like we're going to have 50 quick changes here because we haven't had any right now in act two. So you're going to get them all at once. You know what I mean? The ability to have the costumes designed and planned out in such a way that it allows for that. Oh my gosh. Wow. You know, um, the fact that Aladdin ends act one in his Prince Ali Ali Ababa outfit. Mm
2: -hmm. And it's
0: like a 15 second change is incredible. You know, the fact that they have that big number, but then they come back uh, for the closing number in act two. Jasmine and Aladdin are now in their wedding outfits and they don't look like like snap in the back wedding outfits. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're not, you know, is impressive. They didn't just slap it on over their previous costume is what I'm trying to say. So this is brilliant design. What I like is you can see the costume designer working with functionality.
1: Right. Well, and the other thing I uh, I want to divert to the women in the show for a moment. Um, so, what I appreciated is them not super anglici- anglifying Jasmine. They kept her, um, like her classic silhouette, where it is a two piece, and we do show her stomach, and we do see her shoulders. Um, because. I think that it's important to recognize that other cultures don't value purity culture as much as we do, but...
0: Puritanical, I'll say. Yeah. Because, yeah, I agree with you. Um, That's one thing I noticed when we saw the show is I was like, there's a lot of skin on this Mm -hmm. in this show, but it wasn't sultry. I was like, but this looks right. Like, I feel like this is right for the culture.
1: Well, and I would have... <clears throat> the, I will say, yeah, I, it, it, I would have liked to see more than just um, Jasmine having the bare midriff. Um, they gave the allusion to it in all the ensemble characters, but not... Not to the
0: same length.
1: Exactly. So I would have liked to have seen that. Um, but that being said, um, I feel like they did do Jasmine justice. Um, in her costume and making it real and staying true to the character. Mm -hmm. Now, the one thing I want to say that I was disappointed in and, and I really, I use the word disappointed in a very loving way. Um, I was hoping to see more of the classic Jasmine silhouette with her hair. With the ponytail Yeah Now that being said, I understand why they couldn't give that.
0: Uh, please and please explain.: Well,
1: because one, the cartoon has complete unrealistic silhouette with it. Okay That is just not like her the amount of space that her hair takes up on top of her head would have to be quadrupled the amount of hair just for the top part and then go into the ponytail. And it's just not a realistic shape to maintain or exist um so i understand why they couldn't i'm disappointed it couldn't happen but like i understand it now that being said i do love how much hair they gave her and the way that they interpreted her hair differently because it it is beautiful and glamorous you know they didn't take away any of jasmine's beauty in Creating this new, more realistic shape for the hair.
0: I completely agree, and in fact, I just I loved how full it looked. I loved how I love the soft waves in it. It looked it looked beautiful. It looked it just looked silky and beautiful and full. And but I'm a sucker for long hair, so you know that's me. Yeah. Um, should we move on to the lighting then?
1: Yes, let's do it. <clears throat>
0: I thought this was another great example of brilliance. Uh, As mentioned with the set, we start with this gorgeous curtain down, and as the overture starts, we see the curtain, and it's being lit with beautiful different colors that change with the music, such as the classical musical theater. Uh, Like, this is a classical uh, musical theater moment. But what was cool was, of course, we all know that, like, when different colored lights hit, like, fabrics or whatever, it can change the color of a fabric. And that's literally what's happening, which I thought was awesome you don't typically get that with like, like the grand drape that's like red you don't typically see that with a lot of lighting they don't wash it out but mm-hmm. with this particular curtain that they had down they were washing the curtain they were changing the color of the curtain to greens and blues and purples and i was like that's kind of cool um throughout the show the lighting really does a, a great job of bringing out those vibrant and shimmering colors we've come to expect from the story um and that are present on stage you know there are, there are a lot of colors, greens and reds and purples and pinks. But then you've also got a lot of gold. And not just like matte gold in the fabrics, but like objects that are gold or shiny or metallic.
1: Mm-hmm. And it does a
0: great job of bringing those out without blinding the audience, I felt like. Very, there was a lot of awareness of, of reflection. So that we can see shine, but we didn't get blinded. Sometimes, like when you have a like a really glossy guitar or something, and they move, it's that effect like your watch could have or glasses, you know, where it creates it has that refraction. Yes. And you, you, we saw that things were shining on stage, shimmering, but they weren't bouncing back into our eyes where we were like, oh god, I'm I'm being blinded because in friend like me, everything is shimmering. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really good detail, uh, attention to detail with the lighting. Um, <clears throat> the The lighting really shines in two moments. Friend Like Me as well as when we are in the palace. So in Friend Like Me like I said with all the gold um, we are able to have the set made even greater and glitzier um, which is great with all the washing of the light and like I mentioned without blinding us. That was something I appreciated I keep saying that over and over but I, I think it's worth noting because I've seen a lot of shows where there's a lot of glossy and shiny things on stage and i'm like boy you probably should have matted this down yes because and i'm there's a light that's hitting at just the right angle and now i'm blinded and no one thought about this i don't believe that someone thought about that in this show um and then in the palace the lighting helps to make the space feel even larger and grander it's a brilliant use of shadow. so we talked about you know the great hall in the palace where there were these just giant pillars everywhere and casting shadows from outside essentially or what have you made it feel like an even more enormous room um so it it was a great um what do they call it illusions visual illusion where we think we're in a bigger space than we are
1: optical illusion yes that's the word (laughs) so
0: but that's what i have to say about the lighting Anything you might want to add? No,
1: I just... I think that that was brilliant.
0: Cool. Should we go on to the direction with yes, Mr. Please. Casey Nicola? I'm a huge fan of anything Casey Nicola. Uh, in fact, we're getting pretty good at uh, being able to spot a Casey Nicola show, I feel like. Yeah. You know? Um, for me, the pacing was perfect with the show despite the minor hiccups regarding the three sidekicks and the Jafar thing that we mentioned in the opening. Um, and to me that's not necessarily a pacing issue it's a book issue uh, but the pacing and the guiding of the story is really great and it develops very naturally and with ease that, with the ease that we've come to expect from a Casey Nicolas show mm-hmm. um, it's just fanciful enough that it earns its place as a story and a theatrical tell but it's also real enough that you can almost believe in all of it that's yeah. what I loved about about this and the way that Casey Nicola has directed it is, we know that it's a, a theatrical show, but somehow we also sort are of like, but is it true? We we and that's great storytelling. That's great masterful art there where we go. I wonder if this is based on a true story. You know. Yeah. Um, I thought the director did a good job of navigating the peaks and valleys of the show. Um, Though the opening of Act two didn't hit as strong as I felt it could have. You know, Prince Ali, Ali. Like, I felt it could have been a bigger production number. And I don't know how. Um, so maybe I shouldn't point out that it could have been a little stronger, especially since I don't have the solution.
1: Well, and, <clears throat> so I... The, There's a hard thing when it comes to Aladdin, and it's the elephant in the room.
0: I see what your, all these analogies are making.
1: It's the elephant in the room about the culture appropriate, cultural appropriation and the subtle racism that exists within the story. Okay. And so I think that that's why overall the show just ends up being more and more problematic.
0: Because so the more of a top you make it, perhaps the more offensive it can be.
1: Exactly. Ah. But if you downplay it, then you're not giving people what they want from the story. I but then see. if you try to be too historically accurate, none of the story makes sense because the story was created out like it was it's the, like the true
0: story the, of it is not what we know.
1: Well, and they they took the story of Aladdin and the Prince of Thieves, and a couple other stories from the stories of uh, uh, Arabian Nights. No, the um, One Hundred and One uh, Nights, or whatever. One Hundred
0: and One Arabian Nights.
1: Shahrazad. Yeah. Yeah, and so they they took bits and pieces from that and put it together. But the the initial source material is done was created through a place of ignorance.
0: And so that's why
1: everything about the show has that tiny little air of... of,
0: So this is like a colonial
1: piece. Yes, exactly. This is extreme colonialism at its peak. And so we can sit here and try to guess how we could make it better and da-da-da-da-da. But at its heart, the problem is the Americanized version of the storytelling of Aladdin.
0: That is a really good insight to bring to the table. Thank you for that. Yeah, and I wasn't
1: sure if we wanted to dive into it because it is a well, Disney but show. It's, it's because... an
0: important thing to point out. Uh, I mean, we, we, we can't be, we can't turn a blind eye to these things. Yeah. It's not saying we can't enjoy Aladdin, but when we dissect a show like this and we try to figure out, why didn't this moment hit or why isn't this when we actually go back and you explain, this is why, especially now that we are much more aware of things, we go,
2: oh. Mm -hmm.
0: So we have two options. We accept it as is or we go, then we can't do this anymore.
1: Exactly. And if we can
0: still do it the way it is without making everyone incredibly unhappy, then let's do it. If what we're doing offends people, then we shouldn't do it. And I feel like we'll get into that offense later but I'm glad to know that because yeah act two I was just like this doesn't this feels like a grand number but I feel it felt slow and I felt like it could have been better but I don't know
2: how
1: well and that's exactly it and I think that being able to reflect and understand what is happening within the realm of reality within this fairy tale and just remembering that the Aladdin we all know especially the Aladdin being presented in this musical is a very Americanized version mm-hmm. of the story. Um, and so taking that with a grain of salt in your dissection and maybe starting a bigger conversation and a um, deep dive into understanding what is happening um, could, you know, it, it's a, it can be a conversation starter.
0: Yeah. Wrapping up the stuff on uh, the direction, though, I would say this is a great example of the great merriment of design and direction. The technical design was executed flawlessly with Nicolas Vision. And mm-hmm. building off of Nicolas Vision, he was also the choreographer. So let's talk about that choreography. Um, <clears throat> it was incredible. It's totally Casey Nicolau. Like if the cast is not panting after a big number, it's not Casey Nicola choreography. Like let's let's be real. Um, yeah. That's one of the giveaways about Casey Nicola choreography is it is all out crazy movement exciting. Yeah, cardio yeah. to the max and it's brilliant though. It's brilliant. beautiful.
1: It has it has um, Middle Eastern and even a little bit of Indian inspired dance, dance moves. A dance moves.
0: Yeah. Uh, friend like me alone <clears throat> is enough to earn the highest praise.
1: I, I oh, mean yeah. it,
0: it does. It stops the show and there's like a 10 minute standing ovation. I've never seen a production of Aladdin where the show just doesn't stop at a friend like me. Nor should it. And not just because of the genie's performance, but that entire the entire cast that's on stage because it is it is incredibly awe-inspiring um the exploration of movement and tempo throughout the show to help emphasize the mood and moment is just fantastic and casey yeah casey really has an eye for allowing the body to help physicalize the idea and the music at the same time which yeah. i really love you that's know that's a good way to put it in a Casey Nicolas show, people are not on stage and do not move on stage unless there's a reason. You aren't there to be window dressing kind of thing. So when you watch, if you've seen Aladdin, go back and watch it again. When you see people on stage, even if they're just like running off, watch the way that they run off.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Especially if there's music playing. There's movement. There's, it's, it's just like that extra sprinkle of salt on top of the dish or that garnish to help set the mood and i appreciate that that eye of details there so that people aren't just like do 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 oh the music playing quick let's run off you know mm-hmm. it's like you're you're a body in space that we can see you have to say something with it so i love that wrapping this up let's talk about music
1: i mean i love the hot like The simplicity and the hummableness of Alan Menken's writing. The simple,
0: hummable show tune. Thank you, Jerry Herman.
1: I just think of Alan Menken's music, and it's the sound of my childhood.
0: Yeah, it really is. Um, The show is full of these iconic show show tunes, these songs that we all grew up with. The orchestration is amazing, and I love the big band songs with the Arabic twists in it. It's really awesome to hear. Well,
1: and I love... I appreciate the added music from the show because it still sounds like it fits. Um, well,
0: I mean... A couple of the songs still are labored Day, <clears throat> me. High Adventure or Babcock, Omar, Aladdin, Kasim. But this, is, again, goes back to my feeling about those characters.
1: Yeah, but I also think that, like, at least in color and shape yes. of music, they still belong in the same story. It's not like... Um, oh, my God, I can't think of what musical it is, but there was a movie a movie turned stage musical that had songs in it and it just, the songs and the show didn't add up. I got nothing to I can't remember what it is right now.
0: Uh, One thing I will say is if you have or you purchase the the Broadway recording of Aladdin, Mm -hmm. go to the very end where it's um, James Monroe Iglehart and um, Adam Jacobs. So the original Genie and Aladdin, and they're just like having a session with Alan Menken, um, and they do a version of something, but then um, Jason Rowe goes, you know, the genie never gets a love song or anything, you know, or a ballad, you know, and Alan Menken goes, you want the genie to have a ballad? He's like, I want the genie to have a ballad, and Jacob goes, give the genie a ballad, and they do this whole like Disney mega mix of Mm -hmm. Alan Menken songs. That is just out of the world. Like, it's amazing. It's called the Genie Medley. It's at the end of the album. They've got, like, Hercules songs, the Little Mermaid. Uh, Beauty there's, and the Beast. Oh, it's got guest on there. But, I mean, it's it's James Monroe Iglehart totally being a ham. And we love him as a ham. Um, and it's just, it's just fun. And that's... See, as much as we've ripped the show a little bit, I will say, the show is just fun fun and everyone doing it is having fun and so you have fun so i i i love that about this
1: the show has had several notable performers including adam jacobs courtney reed jonathan jonathan freeman telly long michael james scott ariel jacobs major attaway and james monroe iglehart
0: the show has had on the theater and its history starting with theatrical impact
1: i mean this just laid the um you know the the nail in the coffin that disney is on broadway and they're here to stay and that they are magic makers
0: i mean i don't know that i'd say nail in the coffin and I don't know that this is the show that like was like Disney's Here to Stay. I mean I thought Newsies was definitely a pronouncement of that or Mary Poppins.
1: Well, I just think that to the me, longevity of it.
0: To me, this is the show that announced that Disney was still had its A game. With its classics.
1: I feel like we're saying the same thing.
0: because um, it had it flops with Little Mermaid, it had a flop with Tarzan. <laughs> and I, Newsies I, wasn't an animated feature and I don't think I'd call Mary Poppins either, but Aladdin was in that... You know what I'm talking about? That span of animated films. Mm -hmm. And they brought Aladdin to the stage, and it was like, oh, yeah, no, we can still do all this. Lion King was not a one-shot, a one-trick pony with our animated films. Like, we can still do all this. And, yeah, they do. And, in fact, we were just talking a little while ago, and I was like, I wonder when Hercules is going to come to the stage, you know, because... Oh, I can't wait for that. That music alone is amazing. You know, and look, we all grew up with that that animation style. When I say we all, I mean, you know, we, you and as, I, as our, you and I, I mean. our generation. Yeah. But it's <clears throat> when you get to see that live and done with the energy that you, you, you felt come out the screen, it's so exciting. Um, but I think I agree. It was a huge Disney hit. Mm-hmm. And it, it, like I said, it brought another classic story to the stage. And it showed the Disney, it was not going to be a flop. Disney yes. did know how to take their their old hits, put a fresh coat of paint on it, or a new spin on it, and serve it up amazingly.
1: Yeah, and I think the other theatrical impact is really what it did for progressing stage effects.
0: Yes, absolutely. Like I said, the spectacle, first of its kind, at least to my knowledge, um, yeah. I thought this was another great success by Tim Tim Rice and Alan Menken, mm-hmm. as well as Casey Nicola. Yeah. Can't take that out of his, his column. I mean, Casey Nicola, who had done great shows before and will continue to do great shows uh, as we'll see and as we continue to see. Um, and the last thing I'll say about Theatrical Impact in is it's another family-friendly show on Broadway. It's
1: another family-friendly show on Broadway that's a staple, that's yeah. seen as more of a, like, there's enough family-friendly shows on Broadway right now that you could come for a week and see multiple shows.
0: And you have options if you want to come <clears> multiple <throat> times a year that, you know, you only want to see one show. There's not just The Lion King. Now you can go see The Lion King. You can go see Aladdin. You can go see Wicked. Music Man. You can see Wicked, you yeah. know?
1: Like, there's, you have more options to bring your entire family out to be a tourist here in New York and support the theater and support the
0: theater as for societal impact we mentioned um, it's another family friendly show which means I brought a new audience to the Broadway theater I'm not talking like people that were like oh Aladdin I love Aladdin no what I mean is it's a younger audience
1: yeah it's it's People like us, it's millennials like us now bringing our children. Are we millennials? Yes, we're okay. millennials. It's bringing millennials, these classic films that we grew up with, now being able to bring our kids and experience them in a different way. And yeah. experience them in a new way together.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the other thing is I'll say is it, the future uh, success of the theater relies on, on the engagement of younger audiences we have to, to replenish and rebuild our audiences right we can't rely on the same group the entire time so we have to continue to find new audience members and we're not going to find young audience members who are going to want to go see these gritty risky new age plays or musicals per se but mom and dad might take you to see Aladdin mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you go wow that spectacle that's amazing and i want to see more and the older you get yeah you might go see Lion King and you might go see wicked and all that—that's fine. But then, the older you get, you might start branching out and go see other things. You might go see a Kimberly Akimbo. You might go see a Beetlejuice or a Strange Loop or, or something, a or a Hades Town. And all of a sudden, you're like, "Wow, look at the world!" Of and then you might start going off Broadway. And the theater's kept alive because you, as a patron, it started with mm-hmm. just this one thing that we that get, we planted that seed that we bit you with the theater bug, and boom, right. And goes. that's
1: why we need shows like Aladdin is to help usher in younger and newer uh theater goers yes now
0: the other thing i'll say is this was a great um opportunity uh for um arab actors on stage arab american actors on stage now not at first we mentioned that there was some criticism at first how they missed the boat how disney missed the boat on that that has changed Oh, mm-hmm. how that has changed. So, for instance, currently playing Aladdin on Broadway is Michael uh, Malikel And Jasmine's playing by Shoba Narayan.
1: So Shoba um, was in the first tour of Hamilton, and mm-hmm. I actually got to work with her. Um, and she is of Indian descent, I believe.
0: Right. Which we, we're not going to completely break everything down. Not, I should rephrase it, not it's to say the, Arab uh, actors, I guess actors of color. But mm, my point being is, we're, what I appreciate about what's being done regarding casting, particularly with the primary roles, is it's being given to actors who are actually fit the role. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Ethnically? per se, and racially, as opposed to, oh, that's a white dude with a tan, and that'll work. No, we can find actors who actually are culturally of this character. Mm
2: -hmm. There's
0: no reason why we can't cast an Aladdin who's of Arab descent. There's no reason why. Plenty of guys out there who fit that bill.
1: Exactly. And
0: that's what they're doing now, which I am i completely respect and i think that was a huge societal impact that this brought
1: well and like i said this this show can be a conversation starter
0: right well that's the thing is um, th- there was a mistake made and then it was
1: fixed uh, yeah well and it's 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 another i mean listen these are um, these fixed. are these are uncomfortable conversations but and they exist they, they need to be had and you know, the best way to start a conversation is just to start it, but some people need a little help. Yeah. So at least a show like this can start a conversation, and something that I appreciate is, like, in the movie now, if you go watch Aladdin on Disney+, Plus, they have a disclaimer before it um, oh. that talks about, you know, this is a, you know, this, the way that this show has been uh, presented or pictured is not... um where disney stands now but disney understands that it's important to you know preserve these things so that we can have a conversation about it.
0: right them. the other thing i'll say is you know similar to how julie tamar the director of the lion king said you know audiences will get different perceptions when they see a show you know if a white audience sees a lion king they see the beauty and uh, the costumes and of uh, the African uh, Savannah and that. But if a black audience goes to see it, you know, they see a black king and everything and a child sees that, that amazes them. And I feel the same way about, you know, if, if a young Arab child sees Aladdin, they can relate to these leading characters well, and maybe... a lot more than another show where well, they may not see themselves on the stage. And, and... that's what I appreciate. Now, look, this is not the most perfect show at all no, to, but... to represent the, the Arab community by any standards. No, what I'm saying is it, a societal impact of the show was it, it gave a way for another ethnicity to identify on stage and go, wow, and Look. maybe
1: going forward it will inspire the next generation of musical theater writers and playwrights to write something that is more
0: exactly um,
1: yeah that is more realistic and representational of exactly. their culture
0: exactly there's no reason why we can't have more people at the table they deserve a seat at the table exactly. as and that great tony can, speech was and if the show yep.
1: can be a jumping off point for that that is a good thing
0: Yes. And as we've mentioned before, the last thing I'll say is it's a great intergenerational show. Parents took their kids to see one of their favorite shows on the stage. Grandparents took their grandkids or whatever. This just spans all ages, races, religions, all of that. It just it's a fun show. So we need to ask the question, is the show still relevant? The fact that it continues to play on broad, on the Broadway stage, I think, shows its relevancy though the story itself doesn't necessarily offer any like high art or commentary or groundbreaking subject matter you know the prediction the prediction the production continues to draw in huge crowds and introduce young audiences to the theater so i say this show is yes very relevant
1: well and that's i think the biggest relevancy that this show has is to be an introductory point for new people to experience what theater can do for them and maybe it will inspire people to become patrons in the future for other things or create their own art. Yes. we wanted to share some of our own personal stories about experiencing this show
0: We had the good fortune of seeing this show four times uh, in 2014 15 19 and 2021 uh, the first time we saw this show was at the New Amsterdam and I mean we've mentioned it before I believe when we talked about Mary Poppins how steep the theater is yeah. Uh, this is actually the only theater on Broadway that I feel very... Like, I actually use the handrails going to my seat because it's so steep. And I'm just like, whoa, 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 you know. Um, but I remember just being amazed by the flying carpet. It was so...
2: hmm Wow.
0: Now, when we saw the show in Salt Lake City, when it came through at the Eccles Theater, um, I remember being really blown away. And I don't know what it was... Uh, it, it wasn't the first show, and it won't be the last show at the Eccles Theater, to just whoa, my well, mind. And the but it fact was that they
1: were able to transfer it out on tour, and give us this range of motion and this thing that, in my mind, was like you could only see it at the new AM.
0: Right, the new AM. All right, I guess that's the new nickname for it. No, I just I don't know what the the touring cast was on, but it it was invigorating singing it in Salt Lake. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I remember I, we, I was with your mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you I running? was
1: there. No, I wasn't running. You and I both did day work for okay, that so show. Okay, so you were
0: with us. So you remember, like, yeah. it was you, me, your mom, I think your aunt, and your cousin came, too. I
1: think so, And yeah.
0: we were all there. And I just remember being like, this is, you know, I was like, well, sure, we'll take you to Aladdin, like, I guess. You know, we work in the theater. We all have to go see those shows. That everyone wants to see Mama Mia and that, you know. But then I was like, oh, my gosh, this was really good. And I was like... Am I just a snob? I might just be a snob, but man, that was a really good production. But you led me to the next memory, which is we worked on the show. Um, mm-hmm. This is my first Broadway show I ever worked on um, at, at, at the touring house, I'll say. Mm-hmm. I did work on a Broadway show previously, we'll get into that later. But touring house, I worked at the Eccles Theater. I did a day call, um, which was incredible for me because up until that point, I had just been a dresser. So the fact that they were like, quick, come and do some day work. I was like, I can't sew. Like I can sew a button like nobody's business, but I, I think I'll be useless. And they were like, no, come on in. And I got to help inspect and clean and do some of the maintenance on the costumes, which was great. They didn't make me sew, thank God. But, like, they were like, look for repairs that you can bring down, and we'll take care of all the sewing, and, you know, you're going to clean all these hats, and you're going to check all these shoes, and, you know, and that, you know, the naive me working where I worked, I was like, I thought you all do this when your, your dresser crew does this, and they go, no, 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 they don't do that, that's the day crew shop and I was like, mm-hmm. wait, what, this union world, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. like, I love this, um, so it was great. And then at the same time that, that we were doing our day call, um, they were doing a photo shoot for new merchandise and promos. They, I remember what was cool about it, a little sense of pride, is um, they planned to do it in Salt Lake because our theater was so beautiful that they wanted to capitalize on it to use photos they could take there for all their new posters and everything like that. And I was like, how cool is that, that our little theater got picked? Not really little, but you know. So we were, I was back there doing day work, but then I was also (laughs) helping actors get in the costume. I was like, I love what I do. (laughs) You know. Um, This is one of the first shows we saw shortly after Broadway returned, um, which was incredible. I mean, I was still getting all teary-eyed every time the lights went down. Listen, I
1: don't think we ever walked through that theater slower. Because we stopped and looked at every single photo in the lobby.
0: Yeah. we. Um, I didn't want to forget anything. I.
1: And I remember touching the walls, touching the banisters, staring at the carpet, and just taking in the whole experience.
0: Because it had been 18
2: months. It had
1: been so long. And then to walk in and just, I think I spent, we got there right when doors opened, and I spent... I felt like 15 minutes just studying the ceiling yeah. mural
0: yeah i i mean the first show we saw coming back to broadway was come from away and i cried during that well it's a great show the
1: first one we saw coming back
0: passover yes. but i mean the, the official return of broadway yeah come from away i cried i couldn't believe i was there and i mean that show is beautiful but this was one of the first and i just remember getting really teary-eyed and the overture started and the crowd went wild. And I went, oh my God, is this real? Are well, we really just, back?
1: And just feeling the collective release of, oh my God, this is real. This and is seeing happening.
0: friend like me and being like,
1: yeah, this is in
0: person. We're doing this. And it was so, I hope we never have to go without theater again. That was, that is something that I I hope we will continue to pass down and be like, this is why things are important that we do this, this, and this, because 18 months was way too long to be without it um the last memory i'll share is meeting the cast particularly the original cast of aladdin um and the person in particular i'm thinking of is james monroe iglehart who just he inspires me uh i've been a huge fan of his before he was the genie i loved him in memphis Mm -hmm. i thought he was fabulous since he's been the genie i've loved him he's been in um hamilton Mm -hmm. among other things I just think he is amazing. He's, he's a total dad. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a ham. Mm-hmm. I, I idolize him. Um, he, he instills confidence in me. Um, he's just such a great person. He's such a genuine human. Um, and I wish him nothing but all the success that he, he deserves. And so th- this meeting him was like a dream come true, and just take and him taking just a few minutes to speak with me was amazing. And I was like, I'm changed. I'm good. Like this is incredible. Because bigger guy to bigger guy, watching him do what he does, I was like, I can do that. Yeah, I could do that. And he, and and when we talked, that wasn't even a thing. He's just like, you're kind of a funny dude. And I was like, oh my god, thank you. Like you know, you're kind of a funny guy too. You know, <laughs> he's such a great guy. So I love when when actors are just genuinely good people because it's like i here's a blank check and i'll work for you like
1: right well and that's i remember that time we met him um you and i used to pick our outfits out based on the show we and in tried purple. to dress and theme no i was in blue like jasmine with all the prints
0: oh i thought we were in purple my bad
1: no you might have been in purple but i looked more like the genie in jasmine okay inspired but i remember taking your photos and he's like oh do you want a photo and i was like no no i don't like being picture to be in pictures and he just stops and he goes but you're an amazing woman like look at how stunning you look you know you deserve a picture you know and it just it was really sweet he didn't have to do that and he definitely like made me feel seen and i appreciated that
0: yeah he yeah he's that genuine kind of a human
1: You'll be able to catch Aladdin eight times a week at the New Amsterdam Theater located at 214 West 42nd Street.
0: We also want to remind you that you can now become a producer and patron of the show by getting your backstage pass.
1: Information about our backstage pass can be found at patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod.
0: So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez. And I'm Hope Bird. Reminding you to turn off your cell phones.
1: Unwrap your candies and keep your mask on.
0: And keep talking about the theater.
1: In a stage whisper. Thank you. if you like what you hear please leave a five star review like and subscribe you can also find us on
0: Facebook and Instagram at stage whisper pod
1: and feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stage at gmail.com
0: our theme song is Fox by music for wildlife other music on this episode provided by U.S. Army Blues music for wildlife Kevin McLeod Jazzar and Billy Murray